This is the Influence Leadership Podcast, episode 38. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Influence Leadership Podcast with Chris Fuller, where our heart is to develop leaders like you and help you increase your individual influence and your leadership skill set. I'm Brett Duncan, and I am here with Chris Fuller. Hello, Chris. Hey, Brett. Good to see you again. Good to hear you again. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, great to be here. It's a beautiful, sunny spring day in Texas. It's that's a, right. It's a great day to be talking about leadership. Exactly. Yeah. What else should we be talking about? You know, it's uh, why would we want to be talking about that? And as a matter of fact, we're <laughs> going to pick up where we left off in our last episode because we talked about it too much um, yeah, for one episode. And that was styles of leadership. Right. And um, just the importance of knowing your style. And uh, then today we're going to take that information and actually figure out, OK, what now that I know what I am and now that I know and I say that as though you're like one style. and We learned in the last one, you can definitely uh, switch back and forth. But uh, we're going to talk today once you have that information, both of what maybe what comes naturally to you, but also what you need to develop and incorporate uh, on a timely basis. What do you do with that? and what it means to your team, and what it means to you as someone who's being led by someone else, and uh, just, again, how you make the most of this information. So a quick recap, uh, the different, the eight styles that we mentioned, kind of the most common styles are the driver challenger, uh, it's number one, the producer doer, a third one is the popular networker, a fourth being visionary or the dreamer, the fifth style is the supporter relator, a leader. The sixth one is the mentor educator. Uh, the seventh one is that precision detailist analyzer leader. And then finally, the eighth one is the strategic, uh, the planner leader. And so we talked a little bit about uh, kind of what constitutes all of those different styles. If you haven't listened to that, definitely recommend you do that. Uh, actually, before we dive into this one, uh, but picking up where we left off, Chris, um, what when you are when you begin to become aware of either the leadership style that comes naturally to you or the leadership style that the environment and the circumstances require. At a macro level, what kind of impact does your leadership style have on your organization? You know, the the vast majority of leadership is caught, not taught. Mm. We do, people do what people see. So the impact of your leadership style on the rest of the organization is you are going to embed this style into the culture. And so the stark awareness is, do I want this to be the model of leadership for my organization? And if I expect my leaders to adapt in their style, then I'm going to need to adapt in my style in various points. This ultimately Leaders develop culture, and one of the key pieces that they develop culture by is how they model their behaviors in front of the rest of the organization. So what you do, you know, the old saying about parenting is what the parents do in moderation, the children do to excess. Mm -hmm. So in this particular piece, you know, our, our essentially our work children, our direct reports that, that are groomed, our mentees are ultimately going to want to live out our style. And is that an effective style that we need at every level within the organization? 
Yeah. So I'm going to put you on the spot here, but, um, you know, maybe pick one or two of the styles. And I mean, what what could that look like? What could, you know, uh, leadership style A that you're going to look at? How does that influence a culture? What would that look like? And maybe what are the pros and the cons? Because, you know, all of these have their strengths and their weaknesses. So what comes to mind there, Chris? Yeah, well, the 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 driver challenger is kind of some low hanging fruit, right? So that's an easy one. Um, the driver challenger tells us everything to do, essentially challenges us, sometimes from a negative perspective, really drives the goal, overdrives the goal, and the, and, and essentially says, do what I say, don't think, do, I, I need you to get this done now. And And again, the sense of urgency may be great for a period of time, but the impact is you're always sitting there under this fire drill, and ultimately it can cause burnout within the organization and your team can wait for you to tell them what to do instead of being a little bit more of that. Maybe it's the mentor educator that essentially said, we've got to get to that next point of, uh, of, of mentoring our people, developing the capabilities and the capacity within the team instead of just driving them to that next level. So are we growing their their skill set, their capabilities at the same time that we have a little bit of that urgency in them? So the, again, the, the unintended consequence is um, people can um, stop thinking for themselves and uh, and ultimately just wait for you because the likelihood is you're going to tell them what to do anyway. Mm-hmm. As you've worked with different people and leaders and organizations, and I think you referred to it kind of as home base in the last episode, I like that. Um, I mean, what do you see as most common as far as a leadership style being home base and not necessarily the type of style, although I'm interested in that too, but is it like two or three different styles that seem to most people are, hey, those come naturally or is it like just one or like, how should we look at this? Is this like a personality test? And then I develop the others or should I just look at it on, man, I need to have my arsenal full of all of these leadership styles at any given moment so I can use them as needed. So, you know, the, it's kind of an interesting piece because if, if I am putting somebody in place, I want to know that they're going to get results. So I may tend to put someone into that management position um, as a producer, doer, driver, challenger. And and so, you know, again, the best individual contributors, those that deliver the most results have the opportunity to get promoted the most often. So if I had to say there was an organizational tendency, I would say the organizational tendency is to produce the or to to promote the producer, doer, driver, challenger. Mm -hmm. And again, because we need results and we need someone that's willing to take ownership for it and to, to yield the outcome that we need. So those that get it done. Those that, um, you know, deliver the results, ultimately, those are the ones that we want to promote because we want someone to get it done at the next higher level. Well, and it's funny, too, I, I'm you saying that I'm thinking about a culture that's been impacted by someone that, that, that an organization that that I've done some work with and they have a, a leader in place who is a great producer. Um, this person, I mean, gets it done uh, at a high level and uh, high volume as well. Um, but this person also seems to leave some carnage in the wake, you know, and so while the, the, the leader, the head leader is very impressed with the production of this person, um, you know, anytime a complaint is brought up about just the, the ripple effect there, uh, 
the leader comes back to, hey, I can't deny the production. I can't deny the results. And so that's an example, right, of culturally what's being valued and what's being prioritized. Yeah. Again, the the struggle is we the the danger is we deliver results today at the expense of the organizational capacity of tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So we make the the model may be repeatable, drive the results, get the results, but it is not sustainable and it's certainly not scalable because we're not succession planning and developing leaders that can carry the ball on their own. We're developing a culture of followers that simply hit this month's numbers instead of looking up and seeing what's it going to take to be able to hit these numbers sustainable and scalable over time. Mm-hmm. You mentioned in our last episode some assessments and exercises you do with clients to help them identify their leadership style. Um, could you kind of share a little bit more kind of what that process looks like? Because I, I think a lot of people are probably sitting here like I am, like, I think I'm this style, um, but I'm not for sure. How do I find out? Um, well, so we do a, a couple of profile trait assessments uh, that that essentially will tell us kind of what your home base is. And there's 26 different components of it. And, and it's it's only about 20, 20 minutes maybe to take the assessment. And then from there, I can really dial in on what your tendencies are going to be or where your home base is going to be and how embedded this particular tendency is. So it will even tell me if this is a character trait that is what we call a 90 percenter or something that you are so intense in this trait that you may be more intense in this trait than 90 percent of the world. Um, When that comes into your that's an embedded almost an embedded home base trait. There may be some other traits that you can flex from. You can you can uh, you know move from being blunt to diplomatic. But if you're a 90 percentile in blunt, then your leadership style, you may think that you're cleaning it up. You may have spent 10 minutes softening what you said and the other person still feels like you just punched them in the mouth. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, I cleaned that up like 10 times before I said it. And they're like, are you sure? Yeah. So once you have that understanding of your home base, I know my tendencies, I know where my tendencies, here's a key piece, I know where my tendencies serve me well and I know where they may not serve me well. Well, what happens if you don't know where they serve you well? Well, that's why we have the 360 degree assessment or the multi-rater feedback assessment. And so we have those holistically that will take into account not only your relational emotional intelligence but also your performance metrics and then we have one organization that we deal with that just focuses on the emotional intelligence or the relational skill set of the leader and it's again it's key to know how your leadership style impacts your people because ultimately your people will deliver the results with and for you and if i don't understand how my leadership style impacts my team positively and negatively there's two sides to the same coin. And, and if you're listening to us, I mean, just just to hear my heart on this, we all have strengths, we all have weaknesses. And it doesn't matter uh, who is in the seat of leadership, they're still gonna have strengths and struggles because welcome to humanity. And so with the, these 360 feedback, some of them can be a little bit um, hurtful because we intend to give our best to our teams. However, how they experience us can be um, can can be fairly um, hurtful to get that mirror slash feedback um, at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I I can 
gosh, I can't imagine just how productive and eye-opening it is when an organization goes through that process together. You know, not only what you know about yourself, but what you know about others. And then, you know, like you said, not using that as ammunition against each other, but more, hey, here's the realities of the, the boundaries that we're going to be working within. And let's figure out how to make that work, right? Absolutely. We talk about seek to understand, not weaponize. Seek to learn, not limit. And and so we're not trying to label, we're trying to learn. And mm-hmm. and really it goes into this understanding where we we simply embed the mantra into as many organizations as we can. Believe in the positive intent, trust in the integrity, but understand the methodology and then understand from a leadership perspective if your methodology is truly yielding the desired level of impact. Yeah. So let's think about, uh, you know, if, if someone's listening and they have leaders or a leader above them and they are pretty sure they can put a finger on the style of leadership that that leader uses and they just don't prefer it. What do you do about that? <laughs> <laughs> I found my leader's style and it, it rhymes with four letter word. Um, <laughs> So, no, we, we, uh, we, we one of the things that we say is, um, you know, you can learn to lead. I think we covered this in, in a previous episode. So you might want to just jump back a couple of episodes and talk about leading from the middle of the pack or leading from wherever you are in the organization. Yeah. But but we really need to learn to be the neck of the organization. We really need to learn to be that influencer that can potentially as long as we have a great relationship with the, our immediate upline. One of the things that we can do is that we can be that adapter. We can be that interpreter that helps the leader above us modify their style or moderate their style to, to yield the greatest impact. So one of the things we say is our job is not to correct our leader. Our job is not to fix our boss. Our job is to support our boss. That said, we need self-aware leaders, but you as that as that mid-level leader, learn your boss's style, but then learn to illustrate to the to your immediate upline how that style yields the best impacts and where that style may be yielding unintended consequences back to that leader. Mm-hmm. So yeah. one of the things that we say is, is you know, um, understand their style, understand their approach. But also w- when you're when you're in those situations, again, don't internalize their style as an accusation against yourself but understand their style, even from maybe a, an analytic standpoint. Okay, this is the style they're using. This is why they're using it. And I recognize that. So I don't let it hijack me. I just understand that they're overplaying their strength and they're presently operating in their blind spot. And how do I help them see their blind spot? And are they even open to it? Some leaders may not be open to understanding the that they have a blind spot. And so I get more into coping mechanisms and that methodology than really support mechanisms. Yeah. Is the stage or the phase that an organization is in, does that uh, have anything to do either with influencing uh, indirectly a leader style or maybe a leader choosing to, to take on a different style? It does. And and so this kind of is a blend, um, Brett, back to your, your previous question. What if I don't prefer my leader style? Well, what if that style is needed for the moment? Mm. Right. So maybe the, there's an organizational malaise going on. Maybe there's a lot of status quo thinking and you need essentially one of those ships that, that starts to break through the Bering Sea and bust up the icebergs and stuff. You may need one of those um, those leadership styles to come in and break status quo loose. 
And that may not be pleasing to your soul, mm -hmm. but that may be needed at that moment in the organization. And so when you have, we as direct reports need to have as much situational awareness as our leader does. So it's really hard for us to weaponize it back against the leader and go, you need to understand the situation that you're in. Yes, they do. But we as as direct reports also need to look at the situation and say, you know what? We do need a leader to come in and be this and do this for the sake of the overall health of the organization. And I can tell you, there's a lot of organizations that tend to do the pendulum swing, right? You had a highly relational leader um, and there has been some organizational struggles to accountability. So what's the organizational tendency? Bring in another leader who is much more of a backside kicker. Mm -hmm. And so you just understand that the organization may do a little bit of a pendulum swing in, in the style of leadership so that we impact the organization in its present state. Uh, maybe if there's a lot of burnout and a lot of low energy and negativity, maybe we need a popular networker visionary that comes in and starts to cast the vision for the potential of how we could lead differently and, and what that might look like and, and infuse this you know, negative organization. I've got one organization that was in such of a, a death spiral financially that they called it trying to grab a falling knife. Hmm. Wow. So that we don't necessarily need a precision analyst detailist coming in and telling us exactly, you know, what the numbers are that may end up, you know, um, causing us to want to uh, lay down under that falling knife. Yeah. Um, but at the same point, we may need that visionary, that motivator that comes in and says this, this is possible, guys, we can turn this around, we can go to that next level and infuse that positivity back in along with a little bit of that strategic planner that says, and these are the 17 steps that we're going to do to work ourselves out of this hole. Yeah. And that situational awareness is so key because again, if, if you're naturally drawn to a certain style, but if you can recognize that, you know what, as much as that's my comfort zone, as much as that's what I feel like I do best, uh, the times are not calling for that right now. And so, again, as a leader, are you going to put yourself first or are you going to put the organization and the team first? Um, and hopefully as a leader, without a team, you aren't a leader. You're, there's nothing to lead. So, you know, doing what's right for the situation and what the situation calls for is obviously, I, I, I dare say, one of the leader's number one and top responsibilities, right? You know, it's funny. One of the one of the um, rating mechanisms that we have within our emotional intelligence rater is um, leader understands when their actions and words do not add value to the situation. Hmm. And so I think that that's a key piece. Are you aware that I could say that? I just don't know that it's going to add value in this particular situation. And again, that self-management within the social awareness. So ultimately, in the emotional intelligence realm, this is called social awareness. I understand where my actions and words may not add value. And then I back up and self-manage to withhold those, again, for this situational understanding to act in the best interest of the situation instead of acting the way that I necessarily want to give it. Well, I thought a good leaders, whatever they had to say was always relevant and needed. <laughs> Is this not true? <laughs> um, 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 Brett, I'm, I, let, I might need to visit with you about the real world. Um, 
we have uh, leaders that say um, stuff all the time that that is a little bit left field, and we're going, where did that come from, or how does that? What, what's the relevancy of that? And 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 where's the business acumen or or understanding or cultural awareness of that statement? And so we do need leaders to challenge and take us to another level. But not everything is appropriate for that particular moment in time. Yeah. Well, and and something I, I'm going to challenge myself with and people listening is, you know, actually list these these leadership styles out. And uh, Chris, if I know you, there's probably a blog post coming soon that's going to relate to this and, and maybe Absolutely. be listed there. So, um, but list it out, print it out, put it near your desk. And as things come up, you know, as in, uh, situations come up, like, you know, look at this list and say, hey, what is the leadership style that this situation uh, calls for? And challenge yourself to go there. And I think you'll be amazed at the difference in results versus simply just having one style, one lane that you say in all the time. Um, Chris, before we close this episode, I've got a question. I want, I want to put you on the spot. We didn't talk all about right. this before. All right. I like to do this. Um but as far as a home base or what, you know, your natural style uh, or maybe what you've developed over time, what would you say is your main style of leadership that you leverage the most? Well, back in the Iditarod, uh, you know, methodology. So if we're looking at, you know, the, you know, the Siberian Husky, the we're, we're, if we put it into dog vernacular. Right. Now, now I'm a I can, you're what? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a mutt. Okay, <laughs> so you're a good mix, huh? Um, it's kind of funny because you know if you've ever seen a Siberian Husky, they are beautiful. You know this white hair or or blue eyes. I mean, they're a beautiful thing. The the American Husky is actually a crossbreed. It's a mutt, and so um, kind of like you know the melting pot of America. Yeah, I tend to profile in uh, in a couple of uh, categories. I, I tend to be um, uh, I tend to be all four, but but towards the the central point. Um, here's a key piece. I, I tend towards I have driver tendencies and influence influencer. Let me get that word out. Tendencies. Yeah. Um, but I have a lot of analytics in the background, so I would probably say that I have learned the relator part. But I tend into the um, the analytics. If I get too deep into the analytics, I derail. Um, if I overdrive, I need to back up and and then the influencer. So I, I kind of stay in those key points. But but let, let me close out with this. Um, we need to learn to, you know, you have introverts and you have extroverts. We need to learn to be leadership ambiverts. Hmm. So the ambivert, if you think about somebody who's ambidextrous, they can yeah. use their left or their right hand. We need to ambivert to be able to have that situational awareness and then through that ability to adapt, that ambiversion, to be able to drop in the right method for the right situation and that yields the right outcome. Yeah, that's a great way to look at it. And, and a great way, kind of a, a good stopping point here as we talk about you know, challenging our, uh, each other, challenging ourselves with, one, being aware of what does come naturally to us. Uh, two, what does the situation call for? Um, and then three, what does that mean? What kind of impact does that have? What's the organization requiring of me right now or vice versa? What does my leader require of me to be that net that you spoke about and that we've talked about on other episodes? So uh, really, really insightful 
episode, really taking what we learned in the last episode and kind of, you know, uh, focusing on the application. And I think that's so powerful. And definitely, you know, I mentioned the blog post that I'm sure is going to come soon. And there's lots of blog posts and lots of resources at influenceleadership.com. Uh, some uh, some great takeaways from uh, some of the keynote uh, presentations and trainings that Chris does with organizations. So definitely want to encourage you to do that. Uh, there's also an opportunity to sign up for Chris's newsletter and you actually right away get 151 of Fullerisms, which again, <laughs> go back and, and listen to that episode where we covered about 1 15th of those. Um, and uh, just some great resources on there and obviously ways to connect with us. And we'd love to hear from you, just any feedback that you have on the work we're doing here on the podcast. Uh, if you're interested in working with Chris, want to learn more about that, certainly want you to do that. Go to influenceleadership.com. And as always, we definitely encourage you to uh, rate the podcast. That certainly means a lot to us. So as we kind of wrap up uh, this episode and last episode on a focus on styles of leadership, Chris, any final words? You know, the final words are, are much more along the lines of, of self and situational awareness. And just want to encourage you to uh, um, to reach out and to, um, you know, to, to take some of the assessments that we have to make sure that we're as impactful as possible for your leadership. Uh, again, we exist to serve your needs and really to increase and, and partner with you for your personal and organizational effectiveness. And that comes through that start of that is learning your authentic leadership style, learning that home base and being able to then uh, translate that into organizational effectiveness. So uh, reach out, jump in, understand it and uh, looking forward to hearing great things from from our listeners about how they've applied it. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Influence Leadership Podcast.